Welcome to the More Beach Meetings podcast produced by Surf Office. I'm Carson Sweezy. The More Beach Meetings podcast gathers the leading voices of the future of work to discuss remote working, company culture, and team retreats with new episodes the first and third Wednesday of the month. Today's guest is Melissa Ung, the founder of Milui, a fully distributed product design and growth agency with over 60 years of collective experience. They've helped Fortune 100s, 500s, and ambitious startups around the world succeed. Let's get into the show. Hey, Melissa, how's it going? Hey, it's good. How are you? Great. Thanks for taking the time again to chat with us today. Appreciate you. No, more than happy to. Can we start with just how you got into remote working to begin with? How did your remote working journey begin? Yeah, I I love sharing the story just because it's so accidental. um, And it's just kind of a lot of things happening that has just turned into this kind of journey and this roller coaster of the last like decade. So I started out as a freelancer, but actually before that, I was meant to go to university and I just really didn't want to go to university. I just was really tired of people telling me when I had to show up where and what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I just kind of wanted to go and like live my own life. So I needed to pay the bills and an opportunity came up to sort of redesign something. It wasn't really an opportunity. It was more of like a friend had this brochure and I was just like, that kind of looks like crap. I can do better even though I didn't know how to design. And um, I just did it for free. And he was like, oh, this is great. And recommended me to like his sister company. And they became my first client. I literally knew nothing about being a freelancer or a designer or running a business. One of the funny things that happened was they asked me to send them an invoice and I responded saying, what's an invoice and so they had to send me an example and I kind of copied it and sent it back to them and that was the start of being a freelancer so I continued like learning how to design and getting a couple more clients and one of them wanted to offer me a job but the job was in Vietnam so I still wasn't really keen on a nine to five but it felt like such an opportunity to go somewhere somewhere new and so I just upped and I moved I think it took less than 10 days before from having that conversation of their job offer to landing in Vietnam. And oh, it was it was crazy being there. It was just you know, chickens running around, traffic, blackouts. It was just chaos, but I loved it. So even when the job didn't work out in the end, I just decided that I really wanted to stay. So I stayed in Vietnam. I went back to freelancing, except all the clients that I had were based out of Singapore, they were based out of Australia. None of them were actually in the country with me in Vietnam. So I started working remotely without realizing that it was a thing. There was some point where I was just like, wait a minute, I can be wherever I want to be. So from there, I just started packing my laptop into my bag and just bouncing around, traveling to different countries and just working from there. And like none of my clients actually even cared. They just cared about how good the work was. And then from there, just business got super intense and got way too much work. And over time, realized that I had to hire people. So I eventually did fairly reluctantly because it just felt like such an adult thing to do. And I thought I had to move back to Singapore to do it. So I kind of did, but I realized I just didn't want to give up that lifestyle. And then just just sort of, you know, extended that offer when I tried to hire people. And then we just became like a completely fully distributed design agency. So that's, that's the as condensed as I can get sort of story of how I started. I didn't realize that you weren't really in design when you started doing the freelance gig. So it was accidental by the type of work and accidental by remote as well. Just both of them, you just kind of fell into it. That's that's awesome. So the way you made it sound was it, it just happened overnight though with remote working. Is that how easy it was? You just put out an ad for hiring the next piece and found the next person or, or how did that first hire go? 
it was not that hard but at the same time I feel like a, a big part of it not feeling hard was that I just didn't know any better like I came in just with that blissful ignorance of like why not you know that was very much my thinking process through doing stuff there wasn't a I should do this and I shouldn't do this or I've always done it this way or people always do it this way it was just like a oh yeah okay why not I'll just I'll just do it and I'll just figure it out and so when I hired people I just wrote a job description that I felt would be a job description I would love to have come across if I were to stop and work for someone or like work for a company that's that's why I would want to read and like seven years later it's still pretty much the same job description because it's just it just really I think encapsulates like who we are the culture but also that that lifestyle and that work-life balance that I really want everyone on my team to have. So there were challenges, but I think it didn't seem like a challenge at that point in time. That's interesting. It's almost like not having experience in like a traditional design firm or something just allowed you to create or become whatever you wanted Malouie to be similar to any other startup, right? Like you didn't have the 20 years of experience in traditional whatever. So you're just going to create it to be what you want it to be. You know, it was hard work. It was a lot of frustrating moments, a lot of sort of like perseverance and very little sleep in the beginning. Because I didn't realize that this was hard, I just kind of kept going. You know, it was hard, but like I just didn't sort of really register that. Or I didn't go in with that notion of like, this is going to be really hard. It just kind of was like, it is what it is. As Zen as it sounds, I wasn't Zen back then. I was really stressed out, but I just kind of took it as it came and was just like, I'll just solve the next problem and I'll just figure out the next thing. And then just kept doing that until we got here. What was the hardest part or what were you most stressed about back then? I think the most stressful thing was feeling like everything was on my shoulders. And I was so unbelievably new to everything the whole concept of cash flow was something I'd never heard of if you said operations manual to me like back then I would just be like a what now it was there were so many things that I didn't even realize that I had to learn and as a result I couldn't really be smart about setting things up it was kind of like I had to do everything on my own and if I stopped a pause for a while it felt like all the balls in the air were just going to drop and so that sort of like mental and emotional pressure was probably the hardest thing at that point in time like when I first started out it was just not knowing what I was getting myself into and then still trying to like swim my way out of that sort of chaos and just persevering I think that was the hardest thing we're overwhelmed with kind of all these different business facets you had to manage and you decided to start hiring. What was the hardest part about giving some of that trust to someone that you had never met before or met face to face because this was all remote, right? The first two hires I met face to face. And then after that, from then on, it was all completely remote. I don't think there was that issue of like, I don't trust that you will show up because it's not, even in a remote setting, it's really not that hard. Like if anything, it's actually even more obvious when somebody pulls their weight and somebody doesn't pull their weight because all you're looking at is sort of the work and not whether their you know physical body is there showing up, but your, your mind is actually still asleep or on Facebook. The hardest part for me, I think, was learning how to work with people to communicate the standard for something and the vision for something, learn how to delegate properly, learning what people expected. You know, for, for, for the longest time, it was just sort of me in my head, knowing what standard I wanted things to be at, how I like things to be done, how I liked iterating and progressing and learning and that feedback is really good. But then not quite realizing that 
not everyone looks at the world to, through the same lens, which sounds really weird. You know, like in retrospect now, I'm like, how did I ever think that? But at the same time, it was just so natural for for me to assume that because this is the way I saw it, that everyone saw things the same way. And so learning that I was fundamentally different and then learning what those differences were and then communicating that successfully and then trying to get everyone on the same page was probably one of the first like big lessons that I really had to learn. Was it learned just from trial and error or did you have resources or people that you kind of discuss things with? And- I really wish I had, had people to discuss things with, but it was very much like painful, painful trial and error. I mean, I was 22, I think, when I made my first hire. And most of the friends that I had, in fact, I think almost all the friends that I had were still in university getting you know, drunk on the weekends and then trying to study hard during the weekdays. And I was just doing something that was so different. And I don't think I even realized how different it was. And and again, it sounds really silly, but I didn't actually realize that I could look to people for guidance. And I think a big part of that as well was there was no movement behind the remote working thing. It wasn't like a common thing. It wasn't something that had heaps of resources like we do now with like articles and even like this podcast, for example, like those things just did not exist. And so I didn't realize there wasn't really anywhere that I could go. And I didn't realize that it was something that I should seek out as well. So I just painful, like seriously painful trial and error through the entire process to get here. Well, sometimes that works out for your favor, right? It really puts you through, it really tests you and it makes sure that you fully like understand yourself and that you also fully understand like what it is that you're doing and why. So you're not just like blindly following what someone says is good, but might not be the right fit for you, you know? So everything has just been super intentional and just built from the ground up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I see entrepreneurship as a big self-discovery journey, especially in the beginning, the first first few years for sure, but really forever. So once you started hiring people and bringing them in, how did you go about establishing culture? I know culture is big for you. It was the one thing that I had such a strong focus on. It was was to the extent where culture came before revenue, which was just sort of that weird priority that I, I had. I had confidence that we could earn revenue, but I knew that culture was the thing to get right. Like for me, I just really wanted to work with a bunch of people that I want to work with because, you know, you can go anywhere else and you can earn that revenue. You can go out and get a job. You can wait tables if you want to, to earn money, but you don't find that culture that easily. You don't find that team and that camaraderie that easily. So I was super intentional about that. And one of the biggest things that was super important to me was that everyone shared very similar values, like not across the board in every single way, we're not meant to be clones of each other. And even with the team, we're really not clones of each other at all. And we're all very different, but we share the same values. And and one of the first things that I did was to actually put those things down and say that a core value, if you're going to be on Team LOE, is that you have to really value learning and always getting better, having that continuous improvement just like inbuilt into you. That has to be there because I can't teach you to have that. You know, I can teach you how to be better at design. I can teach you how to create, I can teach you more about a sales funnel, but I can't instill in you that easily, that attitude of just like always wanting to get better. So by being very explicit and putting down these values, it helped me attract the right people, but it also gave me that filter and that lens to assess if somebody was going to be a good fit or not. If somebody is not great at taking feedback or giving feedback, then 
they're not going to be a good fit because that culture needs to have that. So by being super explicit about then putting everything down and just being like very adamant about that, it helped me build up the team that just has that culture because we just share that those values. And um, something that keeps that culture going as well is sort of having, it sounds a little bit mechanical, but just having systems to keep those things going, like having in very intentional FaceTime consistently so that you build those relationships, having set up spaces and times to just have fun, have chats, encouraging people to be a certain way as well, to be open and to share jokes and to have a sense of humor, but be respectful. Like those are all things that need to be really at the forefront of your mind so that you can continuously maintain that over time. And have you all experimented with in-person retreats and bringing the team together to help boost culture as well? Yeah, we have. We did quite a few team retreats. My favorite one was when we brought everyone to Japan in the middle of winter and it was um, like minus 20 degrees Celsius and we were all from like warm and tropical countries and everyone was like why are we here retreat is supposed to be like tropical but we just ended up having so much fun like snowball fights and building snowmen trying to go skiing like sitting around not the fireplace but like a heater and just having like good chats so it did help a lot with that bonding but that was because we already had such a strong bond that when we got together it wasn't about getting to know each other it was just about hanging out retreats aren't the fix but it's gonna just solidify all those bonds that you've established already in the culture yeah it's, it's almost like a reward you know like you've you already know each other and you work together and it's great now you get to like go away somewhere together and hang out in a cool new place and just like have fun like that for us it just felt really like this big reward Yeah, and it totally should be, right? It shouldn't be like sometimes in more traditional office environments, like these parties or or whatever can be like a chore almost, you know, but like the retreat should be the fun part. Like you're going to hang out with all the people that you work with and relax and kind of unwind or, or it can be more intentional with like bonding and like building up teamwork exercises and stuff too. But yeah, but if you don't have fun, then like, what are you even doing? I know that you're really curious about sort of the why behind remote work and have been writing about it. What are you willing to share about that project or, or just in general, the what have you found with that question? What is the why behind remote work? With how much remote work has sort of like exploded, I feel like there is a lot of content out there and there's a lot of good content, good advice, but it tends to be quite sort of bit more superficial and I, I don't mean this in, in a mean way that you know it's it's you know it's all crap it's not at all what I mean but after having spent like nine years working remotely seven years running the team and just being the sort of person that just likes to keep digging on stuff until I can't really dig anymore I have found that a lot of the um, a lot of the reasons why remote work is challenging goes much deeper than things like being asynchronous or being on different time zones like a lot of that really comes back down to even just looking at how people interact and communicate just as is so like an example that I like to give so so okay so for a bit of context I'm writing a book on this because it's just so fascinating for me and when I talk to people about it it's just such a good discussion and it's so much fun just to like really dig in and understand that and I like to understand the why of things that example that I was that I was mentioning is a lot of people think that the reason why communication is hard is because of time zones. And the thing with time zones is that like it's annoying, but it's an easy fix. You just find a time, you hop on a call, and that's pretty much it. Like It's not ideal, but it works. The thing that's truly difficult for me in a remote setting is that a lot of communication is non-verbal. 
So by that, I mean you can learn from someone or communicate something just through body language or facial expressions or watching someone work. You get so much information just from being able to sit next to someone. So if you wanted to learn how someone is so good at, let's just say, selling or someone's really good at pitching or someone's really good at designing, then you would watch them and then be able to pick up a bunch of things that you can try on your own. But when you don't have that and you don't have that visibility or that ability to learn through observation, anything that you learn has to be self-initiated. You have to be super proactive. Not only that, you have to be proactive with people in asking for advice, asking for mentorship or asking for lessons or critiques or feedback. And it requires a lot of initiative. And if you don't have the initiative, then things start to fall apart really, really quickly. And that's one of the reasons why, like the true reason for me as to why remote work can be challenging. It's not just something like time zones or asynchronous. It's that lack of visibility. It's understanding that communication comes in more ways than just like exchanging words or exchanging text messages. So like it's questions like that. I'm really interested in trying to sort of like unpackage and like truly understand. And once you have that, then coming out with solutions that actually work just is so much easier. Right. Like how do you systematize that or or create opportunities within a remote team that can help perpetuate some of those more traditional, like, like a Jiffy integration on Slack might not be the full solution to body language or expressing how someone's feeling, right? I think also empathizing, you know, being able to understand how someone might feel or might respond or might react to that lack of visibility. They might feel a bit lost. They might feel like they're not learning as fast. They might expect different things. And if you can understand the core of why that is happening, then you're able to empathize with how they feel on something and not feel like, I don't get why you're feeling this way because I don't feel this way. So it gives you that framework to really start putting a lot of things into context that's not just your own experience. Do you think this might be more intentionality around non-work-related communication and just understanding more about the person like you're talking about? Or is it directly related to work? It's directly related to to work, I would say. I mean, not just in terms of communicating like what needs to be done on a project, for example, but it could be setting up working relationships. So another example that I have, this is something that we actually do in Mellory. When, let's just say you're going to a new job in a physical office, right? You can tell a lot about how your manager is going to be like based off how everyone else responds and reacts to this person, how they delegate tasks or how to give out briefs. And you can tell a lot without anyone having to say things to you like this person likes to do this. But in a remote setting, you don't have that. You can't observe that someone behaves in a certain way to everyone, not just to you. So one of the things that that, um, that I do is that when we have a new hire, I actually have a spreadsheet that details out very specifically like how I work and why that is the case and how what's the best way for them to respond to it. So one of the first few examples is I say that I love to give and receive feedback. And I say that the, the reason why is because I think that's the best way to learn, get out of your head, test stuff, get feedback, get better. And that's my entire basis of it. And the best way to react is to like, Let's discuss the feedback. Don't take it personally. See it as me trying to find ways to help you, but also give me feedback because then I can get better as well. And so I've had to frame that like very, very explicitly because if I don't do that, they can't see that I do the feedback thing with every single person. They can't see that I want feedback from every single person. And they think that like, oh, Mel seems to be a bit bit picky on stuff or like is it just me am I doing a really poor job and that's just because of that lack of visibility so by doing that and being super explicit about stuff that you don't usually have to be explicit about allows for that like good working relationship to happen 
What is a quote or piece of advice that's on your mind? A piece of advice, be very mindful and, and intentional about taking care of your mental health. What's an activity outside of work that you've learned from? Skiing. And I guess I should elaborate a bit a bit on that. Well, okay, what I've learned from skiing, the first thing is that it's it's good to have something outside of work. The second is that because work is so much in my head, it's good to do something very physical. And the third thing is that liking skiing and trying to get good at skiing builds a more well-rounded self-identity for me outside of just like work and its accomplishments. Okay, lastly, we have this weekly call-out segment. This is kind of part of the house around, but really on the next segment on its own. So this is a chance to call out someone that you think would be great to have on the show, someone in the remote working space that we can talk on the show about. The first person I thought of was Lila von um, Elbensleven. I, I hope I said that right, but I think I saw that you guys already had her on. So I'm going to go with the next person, which is Laurel Farah. She has been a remote worker for... I, I think it's like something like 17 years, which is like obviously hard to find. Season um, Yeah, she really is. And she's just like a fantastic person. And she really knows her stuff. You know, like she's really dug in and experienced all this, the, the painful bits there is to experience. She has worked with like from, you know, small companies to like governments in the remote working space. She would be like a fantastic person. And every time I talk to her, I always just leave feeling like, really happy and really inspired. So I highly recommend having her on. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love to have her on. It sounds like a great guest. Yeah. Okay, well, wrapping up here, where can where can listeners follow your journey and uh, hear some of your insights as you're writing this book and continuing to put out great work? The easiest way to find me is on Instagram. I am the design nomad. Same thing on LinkedIn as well. It's a good way for me to stay in touch. Past that, I'll be having a website live really soon, which is remoteuprising.com. And that's where like snippets of the content of what I'm writing will be up and yeah there'll be like progress updates and also if anyone's keen on, on um, having an interview with me just like to research for the book and hear more about their experience I'd be also super keen on that so yeah awesome well Mel thanks for coming on the show today we appreciate you taking the time to chat thanks for having me really enjoyed it our guests on the podcast bring up some amazing thoughts on remote culture how do they keep remote culture from becoming stale and distant when the team isn't physically present day by day most, if not all of them, are leveraging in-person offsites. Get your employees out of the office and get ready for an experience that will give you a boost of team spirit. Head to thesurfoffice.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest conversations around the future of work. We'll be back with a brand new guest and some fresh ideas in a couple of weeks. Until soon.